Good afternoon. I want to welcome you to another uh, live edition of the uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey. Hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday afternoon as it sure is uh, nice and sunny here in the foothills of East Tennessee. Amen. Amen. Got a song for you this morning or this afternoon again. Get my days and nights mixed up. Every breath that I 
that's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendering now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. I'm surrendered now, I give you everything, your goodness is running after, it's running after me, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so Amen. Thank God for the Lord's goodness that He's bestowed upon us. And where would we be today if it hadn't been for the goodness of God in our lives? Again, I want to welcome you to this uh, Wednesday edition to the Trumpet Series a Bible Study Broadcast. Uh, as this is October the 20th, 2021. And I hope you're having a good day. If you're above ground, it's a good day. Amen. And before I forget, let me go back and turn the camera. That's just something for whatever reason I have a hard time remembering to do is to change the view and the ang angle of the camera. Amen. Um, but that's all right. Let's see here. There we go. Praise God. Amen. Like I said, if you're above ground, it's a good day. And um, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, again, thanks for tuning in. And uh, this is Wednesday, so I want to encourage you to support your uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting service at your local church. Uh, here at United, we'll be having prayer meeting service upstairs tonight at 7 o'clock uh, p.m. And we'll also be having Wednesday night United for Christ. Our children and young people will meet at 7 as we have events and activities, snacks and 
lessons for the kids. We do run two church vans throughout the community, and we try to uh, pick up as many uh, young people as we possibly can. We go into the highways, into the hedges, and compel them to come in that his house may be full. So if you don't currently have a Wednesday night youth program that you send your kids to, we'd love to have them here at United Baptist Church. Again, you can call me at uh, air code 423-863-1830, and we'd just love to make arrangements to pick your kids up and bring them to our program. Services start at 7, and pray for us here at United as we strive to do our best to reach these kids with the gospel of our Savior. I want to remind everybody about the upcoming ARC Revival, and ARC Banquet that will occur from Monday, November the 15th, and will continue uh, through Friday, November the 19th at the Crescent School location here in Greenville. Services will start at 7 o'clock nightly. We'll have different preachers and singers each night. There'll be a youth night on Friday night, the, the uh, 19th. Again, Crescent School, Brother Mike Sage, uh, pastor of Freedom Baptist Tabernacle uh, in, uh, uh, amen, in Virginia. He'll be with us on Friday of the day. A wonderful singing group out of Virginia will be uh, providing the music that night. So we hope we have a great night to uh, kind of a finale, if you will, uh, conclude the revival meeting. And then on uh, Saturday the 20th, November the 20th, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, we will have uh, our first annual uh, ARC banquet. Uh, again, the banquet will be at 5 o'clock p.m., uh, there's going to be a catered meal. There will be um, uh, a ministry presentation, give you an update on the vision that God's given us for the Ark Ministries. There will be um, a silent auction, and there will be a, um, a fundraising drive to, to, to uh, generate some um, financial resources on behalf of the Ark Ministries. Again, 5 o'clock, November the 20th. Tickets for the Ark Banquet can be purchased at um, the Ark Thrift Store on Bernard Avenue here in Greenville. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I appreciate all the prayers that went up for Deeb Dunbar as she's doing much better. Let's continue to remember baby Wyatt Holt in prayer as that little child uh, still needs our prayer. Keep uh, those prayer requests coming in. If there's a special need that you'd like to bring to our attention, let us know, and we'll make sure that we um, that we mention that on, uh, the, on, on the next day's broadcast. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the goodness of God, Lord. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Uh, Lord, with every breath as I am able, I will sing, I will preach, I will testify to the goodness of God. Uh, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help us to... Um, Focus on your goodness. Today's broadcast, I pray that we would consider the reality of your goodness towards us, undeserving sinners. And Lord, I pray that our lives would be motivated to consecrate ourselves to you, to dedicate ourselves to you as we strive to please you in all our efforts from day to day. Lord, I pray that your word uh, might be uh, lifted up today, that it wouldn't return void. I pray that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears and penetrate hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray it wouldn't go out as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, but it would be the power of God. 
I pray, Father, today, Lord, that we wouldn't preach through the flesh, but, Lord, that our preaching would be seasoned and saturated with the with a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray that your word, Lord, might be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We'd hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. Uh, Lord, that we wouldn't be forgetful hearers of your word only, but faithful doers of the work also. Uh, God, honor your word, exalt your son through your humbled servant, and we'll be quick to praise you for who you are and what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday we got started uh, in uh, our study of chapter number 2 as we uh, began looking at this new section of scriptures. And whereas at the end of chapter number 1, Paul spent most of his time dealing with the unrighteousness of the reprobate man. Again, what Paul's trying to do is frame the need of the gospel before uh, he can ever motivate man to look towards an outside source to obtain righteousness, a way to be elevated and lifted up to God's holy and high standard for his life, uh, Paul had to first of all make man aware of the need. Uh, and he did that uh, in chapter number 1 uh, uh, by way of the revelation of God. Because of God's revelation, the fact that he has revealed uh, himself to man uh, by way of his holy and errant inspired word, uh, man is guilty before God and also he is without excuse. And Paul, at the end of chapter 1, framed uh, uh, one aspect of man's sinfulness as he considered the unrighteousness of the reprobate. The unrighteousness of the reprobate. But now in chapter 2, Paul turns the focus of his attention over and upon the self-righteousness of the religious man. Again, uh, chapter number 1, uh, the unrighteousness of the reprobate man, but now chapter number 2, the self-righteousness of the religious man. And in yesterday's study, I told you that the self-righteousness of the religious man was just about as dangerous of a threat as was the unrighteousness of the reprobate man. Uh, and in reality, both of them uh, are really in a hopeless uh, state, uh, amen, in and, in and by themselves. We who are saved all know that self-righteousness and religion has sent as many people to hell as any other sin that has ever been committed. Uh, amen. Uh, the religious compartment of hell will be as large as any other area. Praise God. And uh, amen. Man has used religion and his own self-righteousness, of which the Bible refers to as filthy rags, uh, later on in this study, we'll see that Paul concludes man, God concludes man. Uh, he says that there's none righteous, no, not one. But many people use their own uh, religion, the convenient uh, way of religion uh, as a cloak and self-righteousness to cover up, to cloak, and to clothe uh, the reality of their sinful hearts. Yesterday, we also spent a lot of time talking about the subject of judging. And we talked about how that so many people in our world have a misconception and a misunderstanding of the idea of passing judgment on others uh, in our day. Again, uh, any time that uh, a preacher preaches on sin, any time uh, a person confronts another individual and over sin, uh, that cliche phrase that is used in our society to justify any and every form 
of sinful behavior, uh, don't judge me. And I'm sure that everybody uh, uh, knows someone who is using this cliche, don't judge me, as an excuse and a license for their sin. Amen. Uh, but listen, two Greek words for judging that are used in the New Testament. The first word is the word krino, uh, which means to pass down a verdict or a sentence as to whether or not one is guilty or innocent. I uh, said it in the high court of heaven, only God himself as the divine authority uh, has the right to pass down the kind of judgment as to where, whether or not a person is guilty or innocent. Amen. Um, as far as we human beings are concerned, we are neither the judge, the jury, or the executioner. That being said, we are the detectives, so to speak, and we have been called to investigate, uh, interrogate, analyze, scrutinize, and examine the testimony given to make sure that it corroborates with the evidence and the facts of the case. And we know that as far as our case is concerned, the facts rest and lie in the truth, um, uh, uh, the truth and the reality of the Scriptures. And we've got to make sure that the testimony of our lives uh, and then the testimony of the lives of others line up with and match up with and co corroborate against uh, the evidence and the facts of our case. Another Greek word for, for the uh, word judgment is, again, the first word is krino. The second word is anakrino. It is used for the word judgment in the New Testament, and it means to analyze, to scrutinize, to investigate, or to examine 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 15, the Bible says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Matthew 7, 1 and 2, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And we talked about uh, the, the, the comparison that Jesus gives in his writing between those who want to, uh, uh, amen, those who want to uh, pick out pick out and point out every little beam, uh, uh, excuse me, every mote in their brother or sister's eye, but then they want to ignore the beam or the telephone pole that exists in their own eye. Amen. Uh, so two things. First of all, when we judge, we should be willing to judge ourselves first before we ever think about judging another brother or sister in Christ. Uh, again, so many times the devil wants to distract us from the reality of our own sin by causing us to focus uh, on the sins, the faults, the failures, and the wrongdoings of everyone uh, else besides ourselves. Uh, so again, before we could ever judge another brother or sister in Christ, we must first uh, be willing to judge ourselves. Uh, amen. But then when we do judge others, uh, we must use, uh, excuse me, when we judge ourselves, we must use the same standard and we must measure the, uh, our lives according to the same level of expectations that we do uh, the lives of everybody else. And this is something that, again, another trick in the devil's toolbox that he likes to use. Uh, amen, causing us uh, to use one standard of judgment, a higher level of standard to, 
to judge the lives of our fellow man, but then when it comes to the way we evaluate uh, our own lives and measure our own lives, we want to, to lower the standard, amen. And we don't want to be nearly as hard on ourselves as we are on our fellow men. But friend, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And you ought not expect anything out of your brother or sister in Christ that you're not also uh, willing to expect out of your own life. Amen. Uh, again, uh, that being said, that's just a summary of what we discussed yesterday in our study. Uh, again, of uh, verse number 1 of Romans chapter 2. Uh, but today I want us to continue by examining verses number 2 through 5. Uh, some of the standards, two specific standards that God will use, will and does use to judge our lives as human beings by. Again, multiple standards that are used throughout uh, chapter number two provided to us uh, by the hand and writing of the Apostle Paul. Uh, but these standards that God uses to judge people by and according to. Look with me. Uh, again, uh, verse number 1 of chapter number 2, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and uh, doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despiseth thou the riches of the goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that goodness, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Or at least it should, can I get a witness? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Amen. So some thoughts I want to provide with you on today's uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcast, and we'll be through. First of all, there's an affirmation. But we are sure, uh, Paul writes, that the judgment of God is according to what? Truth against them which commit such things. Here we find... Uh, the first and most important standard God uses and will continue to use to judge people by and according to, and that is the truth of His perfect Word. And this subject of truth uh, and revelation is uh, a thought that uh, is continuing to be repeated and emphasized over and over again by the Apostle in the book of Romans. Now we've already saw in the last chapter, how that God has revealed His truth to fallen man by way of His perfect Word in order to make them aware of a couple of things. Again, first of all, chapter number one, that man is guilty. And secondly, that man is without excuse. But here we find another relevant and important role and purpose the Word of God plays and serves in our lives as human beings. And that is not to just reveal truth to us, Amen. That's the first and most important priority of the Word of God, and that is to reveal truth to us, but also to judge our lives by and according to the truth that has already been revealed and given out. You see, friend, one of the reasons why God uh, has chosen to reveal His truth to us 
fallen creatures is because he knows that one day our lives will be judged by fair, by, judged by, and according to that truth which has been revealed to fallen man. And in his mind, and according to the uh, uh, the understanding of that which is just and right and fair, God says, "Well, if I'm going to hold them accountable to truth, and if I'm going to judge them according to the truth of my word, then uh, it would only be fair for me." and for them to be aware of and, and for me to make known to them the standards and expectations that they will one day be judged by and according to. I said yesterday when we stand before God, the judgment we received, it will not be based upon uh, the thoughts, ideas, or philosophies of the world. It won't be based upon the opinions of others, neither will it even be based upon what we think about ourselves and you and I need to be careful about that that we don't allow uh, the standard of our expectation regarding uh, how we live our lives and how we will one day be judged in the sight of a holy God to be influenced by the standards and expectations the philosophies the rudiments and the ideas uh, of this world amen uh, amen listen when we stand before God it won't be judged our judgment will not be based upon all of the uh, philosophies of the world. It won't be uh, based upon the opinion of other human beings. Neither will it be determined upon what we think about ourselves according to our own uh, level of understanding. But on judgment day, the Lord will measure and evaluate our lives according to the high standard of His holy, perfect, and precious Word. Uh, uh, amen. 1 Corinthians 4, verses number 3 through 5, the Bible says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Amen. Who both will, how many of you are looking for the time when the Lord's going to come, amen? Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. So friend, when you examine, evaluate, analyze, scrutinize, and investigate your own life, you better make sure you hold it up against the right standard and not against some standard that is less and lower than the one God will use to evaluate your life on Judgment Day. That's why it is so important for us, amen, not to be nearly as concerned about what people think about us as we are what God knows to be true in our life. Again, I'm afraid that we human beings worry uh, much more than we should about our reputation before men rather than our character before a holy God. Remember, reputation is what man thinks about us, uh, whereas our character is what God knows to be true about us and in our lives. Listen, friend, just because your life measures up with, uh, up, uh, with the standard of man does not mean that it is according to uh, and corroborates with the standard of God. Uh, amen. Just because your life also measures up better than somebody else's life doesn't mean that God's pleased with it. Friend, we spend way too much time 
amen, excusing ourselves and justifying our disobedience because we perceive our lives to be better off than uh, somebody else's life. But friend, just because it lines up, measures up, and stacks up against the standards of the world, the opinions and the philosophies and the ideas of humanity, or even according to your own understanding, doesn't mean it will pass the test on Judgment Day, friend. Uh, amen. Uh, in, in other words, just because you don't, just because you think it's right, and just uh, because you have some idea uh, uh, in your mind, according to your own level of understanding, your opinion doesn't mean that you're going to pass uh, uh, the standard of God's test on Judgment Day. Amen. You will not be judged when you stand before God by what you think about it, uh, by your level of understanding regarding, it, regarding a, a, a certain truth. Uh, amen. Or uh, regarding your own opinion. Amen. Your opinion isn't going to matter at all on Judgment Day. It's what the Word of God has to say about your life. Amen. On that day, the day of judgment, the only thing that will matter is whether or not the life you've lived here on earth measures up uh, and is in accordance with the truth of God's Word. Bottom line, the Bible tells us that we are to examine ourselves to see whether uh, we be in the faith or not. But when we do so, we must use the right standard to measure, to inspect, and examine our lives by. And I'm afraid that so many times we're using the wrong standard and we're, ju we're justifying ourselves and we're excusing uh, our disobedient actions, amen, because we're using the standard, the ideas, the philosophies, and the opinions of this world, others, and ourselves, rather than the only standard, the only measuring stick that will be used on Judgment Day, and that is the Word of God. All right, now let's notice the assumption for just a moment. Verse number three, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Here Paul alludes back to a statement he made in verse one regarding those who are guilty of judging others, when in fact they themselves are guilty of doing the same thing they are judging other people for doing. Again, uh, listen, friend, from my perspective, this is uh, the epitome of a hypocrite. Somebody that wants to throw rocks at somebody else. Somebody that wants to uh, condemn somebody else uh, for, for what they're doing in a public manner, but uh, all the while, uh, the person who's doing the judging and the rock throwing, they're guilty of doing the same thing in a private and a secretive way. Amen. Uh, friend, when you do that, you're setting yourself up uh, to be exposed and for your sin to be revealed uh, for the hypocrite you really are. It all goes back to the reason why we are so quick to judge others, and that is to use, uh, amen, our judgment of others, uh, amen, and our exposure of the sins that exist in the lives of others as a smokescreen and a buffer to cloak, clothe, and cover up our own sin. Again, if we make much uh, of, our, uh, of the sins of others, then uh, more than likely we think that uh, nobody's going to make uh, much of our own sin. But who are we kidding? And do we really think that God 
will let us get away with such a thing as to want to condemn other people openly and publicly for committing the exact same sins we are guilty of committing in a secretive and a private manner. It goes back to this thought of making sure we judge others and hold them accountable to the same level, the same measure, and the same standard that we ourselves want to be held to. According to the Bible, one day we will be judged by God according to the same standard uh, we have used to judge other people. Friend, if you want God to be merciful uh, to you on judgment day, then my advice to you is for you to be uh, merciful and gracious toward, and, and long-suffering and patient towards other, other people in your judgment of their lives. Amen. I'm telling you, one day when you stand before God, you're going to want Him to exercise some patience towards you. Amen. You're going to want Him to be merciful and gracious towards you. Well, if that's going to be the case, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, then you better exercise that same judgment, that same grace, that same patience, that same long-suffering, and that uh, same attitude of gentleness towards your fellow man. Now there is a derision, verse 4, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Here we see the second um, standard God will use uh, one day to judge, measure, and evaluate our lives against, and that is the goodness of God. So, uh, on judgment day, not only is God going to use the thermometer uh, of His Word and His truth to judge our lives by, but He's also going to use the measuring stick of His goodness uh, to base uh, whether or not our lives are found pleasing and acceptable in His sight. We've already shown and revealed how that when we sinners stand before a thrice holy God, the main and the number one standard the Lord will use to judge our lives uh, by will be the infallible, inerrant, inspired truth of His holy word. But now we see how that a, second, second, a secondary standard that God will use to judge and measure our lives by uh, on that day will be up against the goodness, not only the truth of His Word, but the goodness that He has so willingly and so lovingly used and bestowed upon our lives. And could we not say that the, that, that, uh, the better God has been to us and the more blessings He has bestowed upon us, the more He will in turn expect out of us and the higher standard He will hold uh, our lives accountable to on that day. Why? Because according to Jesus' own words, unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. In other words, the more God gives to you, the more blessings He bestows upon you, the more good things He pours out on your life, the higher level uh, and the higher uh, standard that He's going to hold you to uh, as it relates to the way you have lived your life. According to, uh, that's according to Jesus' own words. And I don't know about you, but when I think about just how good God's been to me, when I think about the goodness of God that we sung about just a few moments uh, ago, how many undeserved blessings the Lord's bestowed and poured out on my life, 
It makes me shudder with fear to think about what a great level and what a high standard He will hold me to because of it. The first phrase Paul uses to describe the Lord's goodness. He is, in this verse, he is uh, using some words and some phrases to describe the greatness uh, of His goodness. And the phrase that he used, first of all, to describe the, the, the measure of goodness He's poured out and bestowed upon us is this phrase, the riches of His goodness. In other words, it's almost as if God has lavishly spoiled our lives with goodness. Not as if He's just given us a little bit of goodness, so to speak, but I'm talking about a whole lot of goodness. And how many of you today that are watching or listening to the broadcast would testify to the fact that He's not just giving you a little bit of goodness, but hey, He's giving you a whole lot of goodness. Amen. The Bible says that in another passage, the exceeding riches of His goodness and grace towards us by Christ Jesus. Or how about this one? He's done exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. God's been good to us. Amen. We're so blessed. And God uh, has given all of us who are watching and listening to this broadcast a lavish and an exceeding abundant supply of goodness. Amen. I'm talking about the exceeding riches of His goodness. Amen. And because of that, the riches of His goodness, uh, amen, that He has poured out and bestowed upon uh, undeserving sinners such as ourselves, we're going to be held to a higher uh, standard. Amen. And we're going to have to measure up to the level of goodness that God's poured out on our lives. And that in itself ought to cause us to tremble with fear, thinking about what a high standard we're going to have to measure up to on Judgment Day because of the Lord's goodness. Amen. But then the Apostle Paul also uses the word forbearance to describe another aspect of the Lord's goodness. And this word forbearance simply means to tolerate or to put up with. And I don't know about anybody else today, but for the life of me, I can't figure out why the God of heaven would have any desire whatsoever to be willing to tolerate or to put up with my sorry, no good self. I can't speak for anybody else, but if I were the Lord, I would have kicked myself to the curb a long time ago because of how uh, little I've appreciated and how uh, much I've taken for granted all the good things God has bestowed upon my life. God ought to kick every one of us to the curb for the way we failed to thank Him for His goodness. Amen. We're getting ready to come up on the Thanksgiving holiday in just a few weeks, and I want to challenge all of the viewers and listeners to the broadcast right now to consider whether or not you're as thankful as you should be, whether or not you appreciate as much as you should appreciate uh, just how good God has been and just how much He has lavished your life with so many good things and undeserved blessings. Amen. But God hasn't kicked us to the curb. Uh, amen. He's not given up on us. He's not thrown, uh, thrown uh, in the towel on our lives. But he's always built when built, he's always been willing, excuse me, got my words mixed up there, to forbear me, to tolerate me, and to put up with my life in spite of all my faults and failures. Aren't you thankful today that God's been willing to put up with you? That he's been willing to tolerate you, that he's 
He's uh, been willing to uh, put up with you in spite of how undeserving you really are. And because of that, I ought to be willing to go to whatever length necessary to be able to forbear, to tolerate, and to put up with other people as well. Boy, I don't know about anybody else, but that convicts me uh, this afternoon, thinking about uh, how unwilling I am so many times to put up with, to tolerate, and to forbear the faults, the failings, uh, and the disappointments uh, that other people bestow upon my life. Amen. But if we want God to be willing to put up with us, then we must also be willing to put up with, tolerate, and forbear one another. But then Paul uses the word long-suffering to describe another aspect of the Lord's goodness towards us undeserving sinners. Here the word long-suffering, it simply means what it says and said what it means. It means that we ought to be willing to suffer long uh, and to be patient with. Hey, God has suffered long. He's been patient towards us. And again, it is very similar to the word forbearance that is used early in the chapter. Amen. And uh, right along with the truth that we just expounded, we ought to be willing to, to, to be patient towards others, to, to be willing to suffer long with others. Amen. Just as God has been willing to be patient with us and to be long-suffering towards us. Amen. We ought to all be on the altar this afternoon. Now there's a prescription. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Here we see how that God intended for His goodness to be an antidote and a cure for man's sin. But instead, man has taken advantage uh, of the Lord's goodness. Amen. Turned it into an opportunity and an avenue to commit even more sin. All I know to say this afternoon is God forbid that any of us would be guilty of taking advantage of the Lord's goodness in and upon our lives and using uh, His blessings as a springboard or uh, a launch pad to commit even more sin than what we've already committed. But aren't we all guilty of that? Amen. I'm, taking, I'm talking about taking advantage of God's goodness. Amen. Taking advantage of the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Not using uh, those good things and those blessings He's so graciously poured out and bestowed upon our lives. Amen. Uh, as a reason for us to be drawn closer and nearer to Him than what we already are. But so many times uh, we use, we take advantage of those good things. Uh, amen. We... Uh, we take advantage of those blessings and we use them as a way for our hearts to be hardened towards God and to be turned off towards God, to be deadened towards God. And, and, and God forbid, uh, and what a terrible thing that it is that we sinners would use the blessings and the goodness of God uh, to allow, allow ourselves to be pushed farther and farther away from, we, from Him instead of being drawn closer to Him than what we are right now. Amen. And if you don't think God's going to hold us sorry, low-down, good-for-nothing sinners accountable for that, then you're crazy, my friend. Because again, the goodness of God uh, causes those of us who have fallen and under it to be held to a higher standard and a greater level of accountability than we would have 
had we not experienced His goodness in the first place. Friend, every time the Lord blesses you, and every time He does something supernatural, unusual, or spectacular in your life, as it relates to a special kind of blessing or, or an act of goodness or kindness towards you, you need to think about the fact that one day you will be held accountable for that blessing. And in effect, that particular blessing will cause your life to be held to a higher standard than it would be otherwise. Friend, the Lord's purpose is for the goodness and the blessings He bestows upon our lives to lead us to an attitude uh, of genuine and real repentance but so oftentimes I'm afraid that uh, the goodness of the God, uh, goodness of God and the blessings of God have the total opposite effect in and upon our lives. And instead of drawing us closer to God, and instead of causing us to become closer to Him than we were before, a lot of times I'm afraid that the goodness and blessings of God actually push us farther uh, and draw us farther away from the Lord than we were before we ever received them. Well, all I know to say is that God knows how to bring we sinners to a state of genuine and real repentance. And He knows that if His goodness won't do the trick, then His godly sorrow surely will. And sad to say, I'm afraid that the only thing that will bring this godly perverse uh, per, uh, perverted generation we live in to a real and a true state of repentance is godly sorrow because the Lord's goodness sure hasn't cut it or gotten the job done. Can I get a witness uh, here this afternoon? Uh, now let's consider uh, the reaction. Amen. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart. Here we see how that instead of allowing our hearts to be softened and tenderized by acts of kindness, goodness, and blessings bestowed upon us by the Lord our God, we sinners have instead allowed our hearts to become hardened, deadened, and unmoved by and towards God's goodness. Isn't that just a, a tragic thing to know that, that our hearts as human beings instead of being softened and tenderized by the Lord's goodness, our hearts have instead become hardened and calloused, amen, and deadened uh, towards God uh, in and through the good things and the blessings He's bestowed upon us. Here the word impenitent simply means one who is unwilling to repent. And friend, you and I ought to be willing to repent of our sin in light of the fact and reality of God's goodness. Amen. But instead of having the intended softening and tenderizing effects they should have on our hearts, the blessings of God and the goodness of God that He has so kindly and graciously poured out and bestowed upon us have had the opposite effect and have instead hardened us and pushed us further away from the Lord than what we already were. And now we have become like some spoiled unappreciative uh, brat and child who has developed a sense of entitlement towards those things he has undeservedly received at the hand of his or her parents. That's what we are in our modern American uh, uh, culture. We're a bunch of spoiled brats. Amen. We uh, uh, don't deserve anything that God's bestowed upon us. Amen. We haven't earned these things. Every good and perfect gift comes to us uh, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, 
neither shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from Him. We are who we are. We have what we possess. Amen. Uh, it's through Him, the one in Him, we move and have our being. Everything comes from Him. We are not sufficient of ourselves uh, to think anything of ourselves, but instead our sufficiency is from the Lord. Amen. But instead of being thankful, amen, and instead of allowing our hearts to become more tender and more soft because of of the good things God so lavishly and graciously pours out upon us, uh, our hearts have become hardened and deadened and become calloused, amen, and desensitized to the reality of God's goodness and blessings. And now we're more like uh, spoiled brats and children, amen, who have developed a sense of entitlement because of just how good God's been to us. And in this modern day of success and prosperity, you and I have become so accustomed to the good things and the blessings we've received at the hand of a loving God for so long that we don't even give them a second thought. Amen. But instead of being thankful and appreciative, we think we deserve them or are somehow entitled to them because of how good and great we are in our own eyes. Amen. And now... We worship the blessings of God more so than we do the giver of the blessings. We worship the creature more than we do the creator. And we've cheapened, we've devalued and turned God into images and likenesses of the blessings, the very blessings that He's bestowed and poured out upon us. Amen. Isn't that terrible to think that you and I would take the very things God has given to us and blessed us with as a token of His love and appreciation for us. Isn't it a tragedy that we would take these things and turn these things into idols and images that we've used to devalue uh, and to depreciate the glory of God and we've used the very blessings and goodness, good things God's bestowed upon us uh, as a way to devalue God's glory and, and in an attempt to bring the very Creator and the very Giver of, uh, of, of all the good things He's bestowed upon us. Amen. Bring Him down to our level. One thing about it, when God's goodness and blessings become more of a detriment to us than they are an asset or a benefit, sooner or later they're going to be gone and the Lord's going to have to remove them and take them away from us for our own good because He has our best interest in mind. One thing's for sure, friend. Uh, amen. The reason God's give you the things that He's given you, the reason He's bestowed His blessings, uh, amen, uh, in and upon your life, and the reason, amen, that He has been so gracious and good to you as He has is uh, because He has your uh, best interest in mind. And He wants to use these blessings and He wants to use these good things uh, as a benefit to your life. Uh, and in a, in a way, He wants to use them in a way to enhance your life and to make your life better and to cause you to be drawn closer to Him than you were before. But friend, when, it, when these blessings and these good things He so lavishly bestows and pours out on us, when, we use, when these things actually become a detriment and a hurt and a harm to our lives, and, and, and call, when these things cause us to be pushed further and further away from God and drawn... Uh, amen, and, and, and to, to go uh, to, to fall uh, out of love with God rather than to fall more in love with Him. 
Amen. Then what he does, he says, well, I'm going to have to remove them. Amen. I'm going to have to take them away. Amen. Because uh, they're more of a detriment than they are a benefit to us. Now there's a retribution. Verse number 5. Treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier regarding the blessings and the goodness of God causing us to be held to a greater level and measured against a higher standard of judgment. And because we human beings react to God's blessings and goodness by hardening ourselves against God and by allowing ourselves to be pushed further away from God than we were before we received them rather than allowing those things to cause us to be drawn closer to God and to fall more in love with Him because of His blessings. In effect, what we're doing is storing up and treasuring up greater and higher degrees of wrath and level, greater levels of judgment unto ourselves and against ourselves because of how we've inexcusably reacted towards the good things and the blessings God has so freely and richly bestowed upon us. Remember, friend, our level of judgment will be measured out against the degree and measure of our guilt and sin. Let me say that one more time. Uh, on Judgment Day, our level of judgment that we will receive from God will be measured out and up against the, the level and the degree of the sin that we have committed. And because we've neglected, because we've not appreciative, and because we've been unthankful towards the good things God has so richly and freely bestowed upon us, and because we've allowed those things to harden our hearts towards God and push us farther and farther away from the Lord, uh, than what we were before. Uh, we're going to have a high price to pay by way of wrath and judgment as it will soon be poured out on us. And I'm telling you, friend, amen, there's a payday coming for this uh, spoiled, rotten American culture and society that you and I live in to where we no longer value and appreciate and cherish uh, the, the good things and the blessings that the God of heaven has uh, chosen uh, to pour out on us and to lavish us with, not because we deserve them and not because we've earned uh, those good things, but it's just because of what a good and a great God you and I serve really is. Amen. You know what I have today in my life? And what America possesses, amen, the most wealthy, the most rich, the most blessed, uh, amen, the most, uh, amen, the, the most spoiled, rotten society and culture that's, that's ever existed on the face of this planet, amen. We don't have these things because uh, we're elite. We don't have these things because we've earned them. We've not, we don't possess these blessings because we've produced them on our own uh, merit or by way of our own efforts. Amen. But we possess them. Uh, I am what I am, Paul said. And we are who we are as American citizens in and through and by God's amazing grace. Amen. Amen. God's not given uh, these things to us because of us, but He's done it in spite of us. Uh, amen. Can I get a witness today? And I'm telling you, there's a payday coming for America because for way too long now, we've been uh, generating a high tab. 
Amen. Of judgment and wrath. And we've been treasuring up for ourselves uh, wrath against wrath and judgment against judgment. And one day the windows uh, of heaven are going to open and it's not go- they're not going to open uh, to, uh, in order for God to pour out a new and a fresh measure of grace than what He's already poured out. I mean, why in the world would God even think about doing for us more than what He's already done? Why would God even think about giving to us more than what He's uh, already given to us? And why would the God of heaven even consider pouring out on us and lavish, lavishing out on us more than, than what He's already given and done uh, for us spoiled, undeserving Christ, uh, creatures? Amen. But I'm telling you, one of these days, amen, the wrath of God's going to fall. Uh, the judgment of God's going to be poured out and it's going to me- be measured out just exactly in an identical way uh, to the level of blessing that you and I as Americans has received. I want to say it today in closing, but I believe with all my heart, amen, that when judgment falls on America, that judgment will be greater. Uh, Amen. That level of judgment will be greater than any kind or form or measure degree of judgment that's ever been poured out on a society that's come before us, amen. I'm telling you, a payday's coming for America. That's right. Amen. Uh, and the price and the tab that you and I owe God, uh, the judgment tab that you, I, you and I owe God in exchange uh, for, the, for the level of blessings and goodness that He's bestowed upon us is higher than it's ever been uh, and it ought, to, it ought to terrify us to think about just how great great of a price of redemption, amen, when it's cast out, when, when the check of God's wrath, vengeance, and judgment is cast out in exchange for the blessings and the good things that He's bestowed upon us, I'm telling you, I'm afraid that the tab and the price will be more and greater than you and I will ever be able uh, to bear. Amen. So again today, as we close, two standards and two rules that God will use to measure, evaluate, and judge our lives by according to on the day of judgment. And they are, first of all, He will judge us first and foremost and primarily and supremely according to the truth of His Word. That's number one. More than anything else, the standard God will use to judge you and I when we stand before His throne one day, it will not be based upon the opinions, the philosophies, the ideas of man, of this world, of mankind, or even our own ability to understand or reason it out. But I'm telling you, friend, when you stand before the Creator and Sustainer of your life on Judgment Day, your judgment will be based upon the truth of God's holy word. But then secondly and finally today, that standard, another standard, a secondary standard and level and measuring stick of judgment that the Lord will use to determine just how great your judgment will be and whether or not uh, the the testimony of your life corroborates against uh, and measures up to the evidence uh, of your own testimony. Amen. It will also be according to the degree of blessings and good things God has bestowed and poured out upon you. Amen. And friend, I'm telling you, those are two high standards. May I say to you again in closing, we need to 
elevate our standards to make sure that uh, the, the expectations and the standards that we hold ourselves and each other accountable, uh, amen, uh, that they line up with and they match up against uh, the level and the degree of God's standards, amen. Because I'm afraid that too many times, um, uh, amen, we sell ourselves short, amen, and we sell God short as it relates to the level, the degree, and the standard that we ourselves uh, will one day be judged by and according to. Friend, but when I think about the standard of God's goodness, and when I think about the reality of His blessings that He has so freely, graciously, richly, and lavishly poured out and bestowed upon my life, again, I'm talking about the exceeding riches of His goodness and grace. Amen. In Christ Jesus. The, that which He is exceeding abundantly uh, bestowed upon us above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. I want you to consider that today as we close. That one day, you and I will stand before a thrice holy God. And we're going to be judged by Him. Not according to the world's standard. Not according to our own standard. Not, not according to the opinions, the ideas, and the philosophies of one another. But, uh, but one day when we stand by ourselves... Amen. We won't have anybody else to stand alongside us or with us besides the Lord Jesus. But on that day, the standard and the level and the degree you and I as unworthy and undeserving sinners will be held accountable to are, number one, the truth of God's holy, inerrant, infallible, inspired, and eternal Word. And secondly, the exceeding abundant lavish, rich blessings of His goodness. Amen. And that ought to be a sober reminder to all of us at just how great of a price and just how high of a standard we're going to have to measure up to. Alright, that's all for another broadcast today of the Trumpet Series. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been a help and a blessing to you. And I hope that you'll spread the word Share this broadcast with others. Amen. And uh, again, pray for us that God would continue to put a hedge of protection about and around the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord, how good you are to us. Lord, not because of us, but in spite of us undeserving sinners. Lord, you've been so good to me. I'm thankful for your truth that reveals that standard and reveals that, that level and that degree uh, and that measuring stick that I'll one day be held accountable to when I stand in your holy presence. But Lord, I pray, Father, that I wouldn't be unthankful. Lord, as I approach Thanksgiving, even right now, that I would begin, uh, uh, amen, to uh, discipline my own heart, amen, and that I would exercise my senses, uh, that exists in my own life to make sure that I am as thankful and as grateful and as appreciative of the good things you so richly and freely lavish and pour out on my life. And Lord, that I'm not guilty of allowing your blessings to push me further and further away from God, but instead that I would allow the goodness and the blessings of God to cause me to fall in love with you to a greater level than I ever have before and that I would be closer to you uh, Lord, because of your blessings and because of your goodness than I ever 
have been before in my life. God, you've been so good to me. And because of that, I want to love you more today than I've ever loved you before. I want to love you more tomorrow than I did today. And I want to love you today more than I did yesterday. All because you have been so good to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good day.